Hola. I'm Mariana. I'm James. I'm Simon. And this is El Cine. episode is so much fun. We have the icon, Darren Stein, director of Jawbreaker, one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah, we celebrated his film because uh, uh, anniversary came up and we had an amazing event. Yeah. But uh, he also tells us who uh, one of his favorite uh, filmmakers is who inspired him from a very young age. Yeah, if you love all things Almodovar, you'll love this episode. We break down why Todo Sobre Mi Madre is our ultimate favorite. Uh, we discuss his color palette and how inspired Darren is by it. And you could definitely see the resemblances in their films. We have so much fun. Darren's a friend and just a fun person to have around. So hang tight, watch, listen to El Cine. Today, we have such a wonderful, wonderful guest, an angel that literally walked into my life, Darren Stein, director of Jawbreaker, put the camera on me, uh, Gay Best Friend, GBF, which is on Netflix, and all-around wonderful storyteller, guy, uh, just awesome, awesome having you here. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, tell us a little bit about you. We know some of your work, but you are from California, correct? You I grew am up a second-generation L.A. native, yes. which is unusual. <laughs> yeah, were your parents in the business? or My, my you... grandparents uh, came here from Boston. My dad's parents started a film lab in Hollywood called Crest Nationals, like a boutique film lab. Well, it started as a camera shop on Coenga. It grew into a film lab. So I was around uh, motion picture film processing, 16-millimeter film, 35-millimeter film my whole life. So I guess I was in Hollywood a lot because my dad worked on Seward. That was where the building was. And I was, but I was raised in the Valley in Encino by the, you know, so the Sherman Oaks Gallery was sort of my stomping ground. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you know you wanted to do film at a young age? I did. I just um, <clears throat> love movies. I was obsessed. I would go into the calendar section and look at the ads, and they had these ex- really. Are you from LA? No, no, from El Paso, but I grew oh, up cool. like just being obsessed with movies. Yeah, so you get it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell by your Fangoria t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love movies, and we had the Z Channel, which was a very early, yeah. uh, you know, cable before video, and 47. So I did exist a long time ago. And I would, my parents would leave us alone, and I'd watch these like fest, film festival type weeks that were programmed with all Fosse films or Fellini films or, you know, Wes Craven or. And I was just exposed to things, and I wasn't like micromanaged by my parents. I was allowed to really find these things. And then my dad would bring things home from the lab because in the dawn of video, they got into telecine, which was like transferring film to video. And so he brought home on three quarter inch tape these big cassettes, Alien, you know, oh, cool, The Hunger. Yeah. Like these weird movies. And of course, it's like, they became like my private secrets, especially, <laughs> you know, Alien and the Hunger specifically yeah. were huge influences. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's how Put the Camera on Me kind of started, Yeah, Put the Camera right? on Me is a documentary. I never really set out to make documentaries, but I was making films uh, on our cul-de-sac in Encino in the 80s with all these kids who were like three years younger than me. It was a very like standby me sort of situation. <laughs> like it was very idyllic. And this is back when parents would let their kids run around and not, yeah. you know, be, be afraid. We were uh, way above Havenhurst, so Michael Jackson wasn't a threat. 
<laughs> it's funny because in Encino, Tito Jackson actually coached the Little League team there, which is it's just hilarious. It's not, just to give you a, a glimpse into How the weird. strangeness of growing up in Encino. Yeah. Like in that Funicello or to the concession stand. It was very bizarre. Um, well, that's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to this all-boys school called Harvard, which is now Harvard-Westlake in North Hollywood. It's like a fancy prep school. And... At school, from seventh grade to twelfth grade, I was like this outsider. I didn't belong. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I had sort of, I don't know, any kind of power mm-hmm. as far as like, um, I don't know. Just uh, I just felt like it was all academics and sports, and that wasn't my interest. <laughs> so when I was back on the cul-de-sac, I would I would make movies, and my dad had the technology because he brought home a video camera, the Donna video, nineteen seventy nine. With the battery pack and the whole thing. Yeah. And he's like, don't use this. This is your father's, not for children. <laughs> and so my very first movie was a, a newscast that he filmed that I was in. And back then, they'd plug the camera into the TV while they filmed. Oh, yeah. So we could literally see ourselves on TV. Yeah. And so all the kids would be, put the camera on me, put the camera on me. And that's where the title oh. comes from. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I mean, how many years is that document of your life? It goes from my first movie when I was uh, seven, eight or nine years old all the way through the films I made when I was, I think, up to age 18, 17, 18. That's amazing. One of the very last films is a bit more provocative. It's a, it's a, it's <laughs> it's a commercial about a vibrator yeah. called Vibro. And there's two boys in my bed like simulating sex. That's amazing. But they're under, they're under the covers. Yeah, yeah, they're under the covers. And they're cl- fully clothed. Well, it's a commercial. Yeah, it's yeah. A commercial. You have to keep it classy. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. ahead of its time. <laughs> exactly. That's the truth. But before that, mm-hmm. I made a film called Gay as a Whistle <laughs> when I was like 12, 11 or 12. And that was like this magic coin that the gay kid would show straight kids to turn them gay. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And gay as a whistle is not even a real phrase. I sort of made it up. I thought I heard it somewhere. <laughs> and apparently I didn't. Oh, it, it is it now. Is, yeah, yeah, it is actually, now. Yeah, it's like a natural. Yeah. I love that. Like, why are whistles gay? It's a high-pitched noise. Right? <laughs> it's also a happy noise that people do when they're yeah, you're happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're gay and you're happy. That's amazing. I love this. I mean, I think that this is... Um, one of those things that you, there's so many people you see often videotaping their lives and even with how we use the phone now and the idea that this was the beginning of what you were going to blossom and do is so incredible. It was interesting that I knew at that age how to, I don't know, uh, express my identity by not being the focal point of it. Yeah. Like I was like, you're the gay guy. Right. Wear this leotard. Yeah. <laughs> Covered in lip prints. Right. Pink, right. And they have the coin. And, and he turned out to be gay, the kid who played that role. That's Alan. amazing. And, uh, and we had this weird gay dar about each other, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. So did you shoot everything video or film also? I, did, I didn't start shooting film until I was at a summer program at Northwestern. And I shot some 8mm eight, eight films there when I was 16. And then when I was in high school, I made my first film on, on an Arri SR2 camera, which records sound. Yeah. And I went, I was a really ent- enterprising kid. I went to UCLA. <laughs> I put a, a sign up in the film school saying, looking for a DP. And I found like a DP who was way to film school. Cast my teachers. That's amazing. Oh, you know how I got in this film that I made in high school? Robert Pine. Oh, wow. Who's Chris Pine's from, dad. From Chips. Yeah, the yeah. guy from Chips. So he was the dad, and my geometry teacher, Judy Glickman, was the mom, and then this kid at school was the boy, and he had schizophrenia. It was called Avial. It's on IMDb. Yeah. That's amazing. Because <laughs> Andy McKenzie, who plays the kid with schizophrenia, who was like in seventh grade when I was like in junior, a junior, yeah. he's now an actor, and 
she put it on IMDb years ago. I'm like, <laughs> okay. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And the, so then after that came Jawbreaker. No, Sparkler was Sparkler. my first movie. Right. Have you guys seen that? I've seen no. it. Really? Yeah. Oh, can I give you a, yeah. a, a DVD? It's not <laughs> streaming anywhere. It has Freddie Prince Jr., Jamie Kennedy, Veronica Cartwright. Oh, wow. Grace Zabriskie. Yeah. Park overall. It's a really... Francis Bay. What was it about? It's about uh, these three guys from L.A. who go on this road trip to Vegas to sort of find money to pay their back rent. Yeah. And they have a car breaks down in Victorville, the small town on the way to Vegas. Oh, yeah. And they go to this club on the side of the I-15, and they meet this woman wearing head-to-toe sequins, and they call her the sparkler because she's, like, sparkling. <laughs> Is that Veronica or no? It's Park overall. Oh. <laughs> and Park... Park sees them as a way out of her life. She sees these boys as sort of an omen and an escape. And Octavia Spencer has a small part. This is before Whoa. Octavia was doing anything. Octavia Spencer does show up sometimes yeah, in the actress. most amazing <clears throat> mm-hmm. things that you never knew she'd be in. Being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. she plays this like, uh, you know, uh, gypsy, you know, the, 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 the phone call woman who oh, reads yeah. your fortune. Yeah, like Miss Cleo. Yeah, and she tells them, oh, she says three kings are entering your life. She thinks the boys are the three kings. One of her earrings falls out into their pocket. Grace Brisky is her mother. They order, you know, jewelry on the home shopping network. <laughs> so she says it's, she's going out to the, the earring, but really she's le- trying to find a way out of her life. While she's in Vegas, she's going to look up her best friend from high school, Dottie Delgado, played by <laughs> Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> Dottie. And Dottie was the head cheerleader in high school, and she's, she's told... Uh, Melba, a Parks character, that she's a big showgirl. Well, it turns out that she's being she works in a strip club called The Crack, and she's sort of being kept by this butch lesbian named Ed, who's played by Sandy Martin. Wow. Who is uh, she was in um, Napoleon Dynamite, the grandmother. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's a really fun movie, <clears throat> and it was released in LA, New York, through Strand, and uh, oh, Columbia Trash Home Video put it out back in the Netflix, in the blockbuster days. <laughs> it was the new releases section of Blockbuster. Yeah, and that's where people found it on VHS. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I think your work is very consistent Thank in you. the way that there's clearly a voice, and it's so it's it does remind me of Almodovar in the way right. that it's extreme yeah. and bright and really beautiful. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and then after that came Jawbreaker. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and that began as a horror movie. Speaking of Fangoria, I love horror. It's yeah. something Thank that I've, yeah. as a kid, my dad and I are members of the uh, uh, fantasy horror and sci-fi club mm-hmm. that was presided over this guy, Dr. Donald Reed, the very eccentric man. And he did, they, they now do the Saturn Awards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. But I remember going to these screenings they'd have uh, at the Four Star Theater in Wilshire, a theater that's no longer there. Yeah. And one of them was Elm Street 2. And Robert England was there, and he signed my Fangoria. Oh, that's the gay one. Yeah, the gay, the gay Elm Street. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, I didn't. Well, I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This Elm Street's awesome. This one's really great. It's not as scary, but it's sure kinky. That was a horror film. Yeah, I set out to write a horror yes. film uh, with Jawbreaker, you know, and it was sort of the horror of this kidnapping gone wrong. Yeah. You know, in high school, they say they kill this girl. And then as soon as I started writing the dialogue, it became a little bit more of a black comedy. Yeah. But I think the reason, part of why it's become a cult type movie is because it has that real darkness mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. under the the pop colors and, all, and, and, the, and the snarky humor. Yeah. You know? I love, I love, um, and we all get into this because we will discuss Jawbreaker in another podcast episode. But one of my favorite parts about this is that it, there's always someone bigger and better than you, and it's just even with the cars, 
you know, when she's driving her car, it's cool because nobody else has a cool car. But then as soon as Violet gets her new cool car, there's obviously that disconnect. So it's um, we'll talk more about this film. But after that, you've been producing awesome, awesome, awesome things. Yeah, I produced All That Evil, which yeah. was actually Elvira was in it. Uh, cool, cool. Pe- Peaches Christ directed it. Thomas Decker was in it from the Elm Street remake. It was a lot of fun. I mean, Josh Peaches Cry. I love drag and gender bending, and you mm-hmm. know, a very early hero of mine is like Dr. Frankenfurter, <laughs> Tim Curry. Um, so you know, when I met Peaches Christ, uh, who's this drag queen who who sort of like shows cult movies and does recreations of cult movies, I was like, why? I mean, this is so my, my everything I everything I love. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, I saw his short film, but I said, if you ever write a feature, I would love to produce it one day. And seven years later, he wrote the, he wrote all about evil. Yeah, awesome. and yeah. Natasha Leone's also in that. Yeah, Natasha, we cast before. It was uh, she hadn't been cast in a while, and Tom Richmond shot it, who shot um, Slums of Beverly Hills. Mm. Oh, cool! And so we were trying to find the lead, and we went to Clea Duvall, and Clea's like, "Well, I can't do it, but how about Natasha?" And we're like, "Yeah, we love Natasha." So Natasha ended up doing it, and she was incredible. And then I was able to cast her in GBF after that. I love GBF. Yeah. And that's available on Netflix right now. GBF is an awesome film about the gay best friend and the genre of that. And then how for a prom queen, essentially, they need to have a gay best friend to qualify. It's just so much fun. It's And it's also a coming out story. And it's... Uh, Oh, it's it explores the friendships between women and gay men and as well as the communities. And it's so much fun. And the music is yeah. you gave me the soundtrack mm-hmm. and I have it in my car mm-hmm. and it is so much fun. And like Almodovar's film, there's not really a heterosexual pre- male presence. Yeah. In that yeah. Movie, you know, yeah. what was the movie that did it for you that you were like, oh, this is I need to make films. Your head spinned. Oh. We talked about a few of them before. The past, yeah, but. I mean, it would have to go straight to Rocky Horror. I mean, Rocky Horror, Alien, and, and The Hunger were yeah. probably three of oh, the yeah. early films that I was like, oh my God, I need to make films like this. And you saw Rocky Horror, I mean, during when they and were Tommy. midnight movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was too young to go to the midnight movie, actually, because oh. I it, I was born in 71, you know, so oh. I was eight or nine when it was like midnight. Um, I remember when I was at the Roxy, the musical, mm-hmm. uh, straight from England before it was on Broadway. I wanted to go to that. I saw the ad in the count, the, the ubiquitous <laughs> calendar section where all the magic happens. And, uh, you know, I remember there's a store called Bijou in the Century City Mall. No, yeah, in the Century City Mall when it was an outdoor mall. Mm-hmm. And they had Rocky Horror shirts in children's sizes. And I made my mom, when I was like seven or eight, get me this Frankenverter shirt. <laughs> and he's in a pearl necklace. Oh, that's amazing. So my mom always let me be. And I remember I went to Tootsie. I went to uh, Halloween at my elementary school when I was probably 11 or 12 as Tootsie. You know, from <laughs> That's awesome. Dustin Hoffman's That's incredible. Tootsie. Yeah. Yeah. It's also great on her part walking around with a little Tootsie. I would have loved oh that. Oh my God. <laughs> the kids are like, I would have loved that. <laughs> freaking out. Um, yeah. And so another question is what's diversity? What does diversity look like for you? I know it's talked about a lot and yeah. it gets brought up and. Um, and we often have the discussions amongst ourselves in El Cine of what it's appropriate diversity and what it really means to take part in that community. It's like what's never been seen, never gotten a chance to be on screen, whether film or TV. Yeah. Women, homosexuals, trans people, ethnicities of every kind. Yeah. Of any kind of uh, mental, 
uh, handicapped people, mm-hmm. any kind of otherness that has been relegated to the background, yeah, or not deemed acceptable or like you know relatable enough to or play universal, it. yeah, exactly. Right. So I think everything, all that stuff. I love that. Yeah. Okay. okay, so here we are. We're gonna talk about our film. We ask our guest, as you know, to pick a film that they feel influenced them. And Darren picked Todo Sobre Mi Madre, All About My Mother by Pedro Almodovar. So tell us why you picked it. I love that he began his career very in a John Waters style. It was like kitsch and camp and punk rock. And, you know, there was gender bending and drug use and, and farce. And it was sort of a, you know... Lighter. It wasn't like heavy or emotional or like as serious as you'd expect. And then he made it all about my mother. And I think he sort of like went through a different looking glass. He was he was beginning. He went through a metamorphosis as a filmmaker. Yeah. And without losing all the earlier trademarks of his, which was the you know the kitsch and the style and the the drugs and the the gender bending and all the stuff we love, you know, pregnant nuns. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I le- love a pregnant battling nun. lesbians. I mean, you'd be a fool not to. Yeah. It's um, my dream role. Yeah. He yeah. brought in like melodrama yeah. and like a heavier like that the whole Douglas Sirkian element of those like weepies from the fifties. And and then brought in like all all you know, referential play uh, films like All About Eve and Streetheart called Name Desire and yeah. Tennessee Williams. And it became emotional and heady in a way that no Almodovar film had ever been. And then after All About My Mother, all of his films became, you know, really high works of art, you yeah. know, about real people and real emotions and without losing the the wonderful Almodovarian trademarks. Yeah. And that to me was, it was magical to see a filmmaker undergo such a radical transformation in one movie. I love I uh, the women of Almodovar is and they call him that because he really his films are all, all mostly women's stories and um it's just always the most phenomenal acting uh this the it's incredible how the sen- he has a sensibility for not only the dramatic but also he stays in this very bright world that even when things seem down, just what you're looking at is still making you feel good. Mm-hmm. And that, and mm-hmm. those topics, like, mm-hmm. and All About My Mother has topics about transgender and uh, HIVs and all, all this, this really hard-hitting topics, but done in this beautiful umbrella of color and music and lightness it's mm-hmm. light yeah it's light and it's heavy yeah and it's shocking like a soap opera mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um it's it's really really beautiful james when was the first time you watched this movie when it first came out when it originally came out yeah and and the other thing about his women is that they're all so very strong yeah mm-hmm. they're in, they're incredibly strong mm-hmm. yeah. uh, i mean there is melodrama mm-hmm. but then there's a reality behind mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. yeah because and, and uh you know, like like Hawks always had very strong women in his mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. Yeah. that could like stand up to all the men, and in this one, I mean, they uh, replace most of the men, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and they're just as strong. There's all, mm-hmm. all like strength going through, and each one is almost like an archetype of mm-hmm. a di- of a different facet mm-hmm. of a human being, and and they're 
They're just wonderful, like iconic. And he, 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 uh, a repertoire of actors that he, that he you'll see in all of his movies. Yeah. Certain women like come back, yeah. and they're just wonderful. It's like really enjoyable. You look forward to seeing them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I believe that you could. As an actor, if you were to get in with Almodovar, you could just do that and never do anything else and just lean back and say, yeah, "Yeah, I'm just telling these stories. They're important. And now I'm going to sail off with Javier Bardem. It's it's also interesting because I don't even speak Spanish, you know, and which is really heresy for someone who lives in Los Angeles. LA native, I know. Should be your first language. I know. I discover Ben Affleck speaks perfect, no accent Spanish. Wow. And I didn't like him, but now I'm a little bit partial. Yeah, isn't his full name Benito Affleck? <laughs> sí. Yeah, yeah. De South, de East LA. Yeah, de East LA. <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles Este. Yeah. But it's funny, though, because, you know, there's certain filmmakers who you love their choice of music. Like, for instance, you know, uh, Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you could pop on Pulp Fiction or, or uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so with Almodovar, I, 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 I love his film so much that I, I got greatest hits of his and I don't really know what the lyrics mean but I love the music mm-hmm. yeah. and it brings me right back to yeah. the feeling of his movies well that's that's why I think he's such a like you said a, a unique and singular director in terms of the different kinds of auteurs that there are <clears throat> there are because he he's very aware of the different of every single art form that exists in film like mm-hmm. film when it's done right is Every art form, yeah, it, you know, the opening of Willy Wonka makes you salivate. the mm-hmm. The textures and the light and the music and the dialogue and the human emotion all balanced together can literally take off every single box. That if you just went to a museum, then went to a concert, then went to a restaurant, then went to a play, then had a good conversation with a friend, then read a book. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It is going to an art museum. It's going to a fashion show. It's yeah. doing all the above. Yeah. The highlights. Of and I love that he's sort of considered the Spielberg of Sp- of Spanish or Spain. Yeah. yeah. I would say all of Sp- perhaps all of Spanish yeah. culture. Because those films travel, you know, yeah. to all those territories. <clears throat> and it just shows just how much more open the, that society is than America. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, it's because for America. That's the, the, the beautiful thing about a lot of these other. European-based yeah, film yeah. Cu- culture is, well, I mean, the war forced them to kind of like reevaluate the studio system mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of go more verite and more experimental, mm-hmm. and also eventually because of film exports, like we got that shit covered, America. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so Europe is now going to explore the stuff that they aren't, that no one else is doing. Yeah, yeah. and that's you're hitting on something else. Is in all about my mother. He's reprocessing American film culture. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. which is really wild. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, when was the first time you saw it, Simon? Well, that's like I saw it when it came out for the very first time, oh, but wow. um, but I. You know, don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, I, like I have a very vivid memory of you know, uh, the kid, this like the incident, the inciting incident, which yeah. is staggering, yeah. which yeah. is the car accident, because um, that's it's done so real. It's mm-hmm. like those VW commercials yeah. of like casual conversations yeah. leading into car accidents. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't like I was re familiarizing myself a little bit with the plot before mm-hmm. today and. It's it's a bonkers movie. Bonkers. It's a bonkers, a bonkers yeah. film. Yeah, I was watching it yesterday and trying to explain it um, to my boyfriend, and he, I was like, "Wait, I'm not, 
I'm not going to do that. You know, because I literally couldn't really put it into words what was happening. Well, and here's, then, here's the, yeah, here's the game. That, let's do it. There are there are listeners, I'm sure, uh, who have never seen this movie. Yes. And who are just fans of Jawbreaker or other things that we've done. So um, here is our hodgepodge retelling of the very beautiful, soulful, funny, dark, heavy, light uh, movie yes. All About My Mother mm-hmm. by Pedro Almodovar. Okay. Uh, so you guys can kick it off because, I, again, I really only remember the car accident. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it starts off and it is a woman, who Cecilia Roth, who plays Manuela. And she is a nurse who tries to get people, after they're told that their loved one has died, to sign up to be an organ donor so that their organs can save somebody's life, which is very hard, especially with the Catholic culture being primary. Wait, to sign the dead person up? Yeah, for their organs. So it's basically someone is... Dead in your family. You just got told it right now. Can we have his organs to save somebody? And this is this nurse's job. Yeah, it's her job to do that. And she literally has to play act. Yeah, yeah. Part of her job is acting out. Right, in the to films. teach other yeah. nurses. Educational films. Yeah, yeah right, she right. does the educational films, and she's a brilliant actress. She's so, she's so brilliant. If you are an actor listening to this, you must stop what you're doing and watch this movie. Um, and she. She's an actress, and so she has a son. He's 17. It's his birthday. He's asking about who his father is, and you can tell that there's a uh, uh, an unwillingness to discuss it from the mother. Um, and, he, and back yes. in the day, they played in Streetcar Named Desire together. Yes. Right. Kowalski and... Yes. The mom and dad. That's the all he knows. The mom and dad. Yeah. And he says, well, why don't you try to act? I think you're a wonderful actress. And she just says, I used to do that in my <coughs> day and doesn't explain anything else about it. And then finds a picture that's a half, well, gives him a picture that's half of her acting in a streetcar named Desire. And the other half is missing. Um, and he is a, he's trying to be a writer, so he loves theater. He loves all these things. And so she takes him to Barcelona. They're from they're in Madrid. No, no, no. They, or they see it in Madrid. Madrid. That's right. Yeah. They see a streetcar named Desire. Yeah. But he's writing a, a project for school called yeah. All About My Mother. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Because okay. uh, he wants to learn about her, and he loves that she you know was an actress, and yeah. you know, the mysteries of her. Yeah. And um, so then they go to a play together, and this woman. Uma Rojo, she's the lead actress of it, and he wants to wait. To, she's very known and a thespian, and he wants to wait for her to come out so he can get her autograph. It's his birthday, so it's pouring rain, and the mom is like, nah, we got to go. And he's like, it's my birthday. And she's like, well, I guess that makes everything okay, and we're staying. Um, and then the woman gets in the car. He runs after her as they speed off in this taxi because she doesn't want to talk to anybody. She's a very movie star, American movie star-like character. She's grand, and she... And she's named herself after Betty Davis. Yeah, yeah. she... Yeah. She loved Betty Davis smoking. Yeah, she learned to smoke because Betty Davis... She used to interpret <laughs> Betty Davis, and so she started smoking because she took that on. And her name, Uma, which means fog... Rojo, she wears red all the time. And Uma, he, she says she named herself that because her entire life has seemed to be foggy. Right. Um, also, actors, if you haven't seen this movie, go back and watch Betty Davis smoking and start smoking. Yes, Because please. it's amazing. That's how right. everybody should start. all about Eve. Yeah. Yeah. All, yes. all about Eve is so influential for all about... All, well, look at the title. Yeah. The title yeah. is all yeah. about... Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so he gets in an accident. 
and he dies, the son. He gets hit by a car. He gets hit by a car. Um, then he, that happens, and then that kind of ends that little bit, but she grabs her things and goes back to Madrid, um, full, to look for the dad to tell him that the son has died, even though he never knew the son was ever even born, right? Um, there she reunites with a friend, uh, Agrado, which her name means to please agreeable agreeable are we skipping over some bonkers parts i think are we i don't know are we no No, i think we're it's going in a weird rotation one part is just that she's she has to actually you know give his her own son's heart away yeah Yeah. so what she play acted in the beginning she has to do in real life yeah yeah which is pretty intense this movie is all about you know playing parts and performance and illusion and, and all those meta levels and i think one of the main things that the story keeps telling is that you don't know the feeling until you are a mother no, she is, until so, you're yeah. in those shoes, right? And so mm-hmm. there she meets her friend Agrado, who's a uh, street worker and she's transgender. And she, uh, it's this is the kind of thing that happens in Omadervor films. She's getting beat up and then she's also helping the guy who's beating her up. <laughs> and then she's also reuniting with a friend. And nobody's being like, weird that this was just happening. <laughs> they just are like, hey, how are you? Haven't seen you in so long. Why did you leave? I don't understand. <laughs> because back in the day, yeah. I guess Manuela used to be, you know, like what, a what part. was her nickname? Oh, I forget what they call her, but she was like... Barcelona-cita or Yeah, yeah, Marcelita or... Yeah. yeah. She was like a, a club kid. Yeah. yeah. She's part of the scene, <laughs> the, yeah. the underground. Okay. Yeah. And, um... And this is the person who's getting beat up, but also helping the person being beat up. No, yeah, no, she's not getting beat up. Her friend, who's Agrado. This, yeah, Agrado, Agrado is getting beat up, and she's a street worker, and the, her client beats her up, and right. then they see each other, and she needs work now that she's in Madrid, and she goes and takes her to meet a nun uh, who helps a lot of people off the streets um, to to get them, you know, jobs and an apartment and all of that. And that nun is Penelope Cruz. And she's like this, you know, it's like her first American film. Um, she must be, she's 26 in the movie or something she's like that. Beautiful. She's like, beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and, fra- and fragile. Yes. And HIV positive. And, and she is. Yeah, and she's HIV positive. Yeah. But you don't know. You just realize that she has a weird relationship with her mom. Her mom fakes paintings and doesn't want to give this Marcella woman a job (laughs) cooking for them, which is what she tries to get Mm. them. And so in between all of this, Marcella and Penelope Cruz's character, Hermana Rosa, become friends. Then uh, they, Marcella realizes that, Manuela realizes that she is, something's wrong with her. And it turns out she's pregnant and she's HIV positive because the dad, uh, what? You, don't, you don't find out until yeah, the end. Yeah, you f- right. don't find out until the end. Um, but the dad is uh, transgender, uh, and he was also the dad of Manuela's son. son. who died in the beginning. Who died in the beginning. Okay. Right? Yeah, this is an Amadabar movie, it's, you I mean, guys. It's, it's very elaborate. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a soap, soap opera. opera. There's yeah. no driving, there's no one plot through line. Yes. <laughs> in the meantime, she also goes back to see Uma Rojo, and ends up becoming her personal assistant and gets involved. That's the job she gets and gets involved in this love affair that Uma's having with her castmate, who is another actress in The Streetcar Named Desire. Who's Nina, who's a, Nina. Hero- hero- who's a, yeah. a heroin addict. Yeah. And Uma Rojo's lesbian lover. Yeah. 
And so, <sighs> Nina, yeah. so Nina, Nina relapses hard in heroin, and what ends up happening is Manuela, who right. we saw play acting in the beginning, becomes the understudy in, uh, in Streetcar and gets to go on stage, and she's brilliant. And yeah. so there's real... Uh, elements of all about Eve. Oh, so it's just singing in the rain. Yeah. Basically, it's a tap dance. (laughs) And yeah, so it spins around and it's just beautiful. There's all the, we talked about this, it's, there's hardly any men. The men who are, who do come in don't know what's going on. It's the one actor who um, comes into the dressing room, the dad and the son are the only men and they pop in and pop out and then all the emotional parts in this film are carried by women or trans trans, trans uh, women. women. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, yeah, and it's complicated, but it's it's colorful and the music is gorgeous it and it's not complicated when it you're watching it. It doesn't feel complicated when you're watching yeah. it. It's sort of, yeah. it's lyrical. It's like lived in. It's colorful. It's Pure aesthetics happening. Yeah, like you can tell he cast Penelope Cruz not only because she's got that fragility, but because she's literally like you can't take your eyes off her. Yeah, she's very much an object on screen. Yeah, a, be- a beauty. Right, but also a stunning actor. Yeah, in yeah. it she's just the rawness. It just feels like you're watching a masterpiece theater piece in front of your face with the most beautiful colors and architecture and it's it's just um yeah it's and it speaks of these hard-hitting issues softly um yeah and 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 you know he has so many films that are so uh so important and so interesting but this to me is just uh culmination yeah of all the things that he does would you say it's your favorite of all of his, I would have to say so, only because I, to me, it's just the ripest. Yeah. yeah, you know, talk to her is brilliant. I mean, he's made a million, so many brilliant films. Yeah. but this one, you know, the the balance. Yeah. Of the old Almodovar and the new Almodovar is so like wonderfully intertwined. Yeah. And it's pulpy. It's like it's like it's like pulp fiction. It's like his, you know, it's like it's, yeah, yeah. It's like Tarantino's pulp fiction. Good description. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's my favorite too. And I was watching the trailer that Sony Classics put out, which I loved because they put the. Uh, Little scenes, but then they put the the slogans like, uh, "Every uh, every woman is part mother, mm-hmm. yeah. every woman is part actress, mm-hmm. every woman is part sinner, mm-hmm. and every man is part woman," mm, which kind of like loops it up, and yeah. that's exactly a, a really cool description of I all the characters. That. Yeah, it's it, wild. It's it's beautiful, and then it it all it ends in the sense that you almost feel like it was a short period of time in these people's mm-hmm. lives that mm-hmm. now they're like, okay, I'm gonna go on. Mm-hmm. Doing something completely yeah. different, yeah. and it's it's an entanglement. It's uh, yeah, I think it's a perfect. I will like. I will say, <laughs> I think it's a perfect film. Yeah. You have me on tape recorded. Yeah. Replay this. I was telling our producer that I looked it up and Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a ninety eight percent. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's unlike Jawbreaker, which has like a seven percent or something. Oh, um, it's so that's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. That's just as it's proud. Crazy. It's, that's it's, America. That's yeah, America. that's America. But because like, they were all white heterosexual males as critics back then. Yeah. The film yeah, was, yeah. And the film was not made for them. Yeah. They didn't get it. I mean, yeah. and Roger Ebert was particularly viral about it, but I can talk about <laughs> I should finish talking about All About My Mother, though. But at the, at the end of All About My Mother, there's a quote to go with what you were saying on the screen. Yeah. And it's like it says, to all women who act, to men who act, and become women to all the people who want to be mothers and to my mother. And so it's really about, yeah. you know. It's the connectivity. It's yeah. personal. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, when you, guys, when you were talking about diversity, mm-hmm. it's, diversity to me, it's, a, it's, it's it 
because it can be pandering. It can be, oh, all we did was cast this person mm-hmm. and you guys mm-hmm. shut up mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, it's less about that. It's more showcasing that, to me, human stories mm-hmm. uh, can come from a lot of different perspectives. Absolutely. And, and what makes our individual journey through life and through as characters in our own movies um makes us human the way the reason any story is interesting to anybody is because it connects you connects on a personal mm-hmm. level on mm-hmm. a human level mm-hmm. and they shouldn't always come from the same source because we're all humans and we can all connect to a different tone of voice telling you a different uh, the, the another human story mm-hmm. yeah and i think that that's one of the things that like you're saying darren mm-hmm. is and we're all saying is is in Europe there has always been a more of an open mind where a film like this gets a ninety eight percent because yeah, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter it's a beautiful film the story is relatable you're there there are men in this movie who are dads but now they're women it doesn't take away from them being the father of children you know and the mother also the mother of these children now and so there's these amazing hard hitting things and um. One of the things that I love, there's this scene, and it's um, Agrado ends up taking the assistant job, and she actually gets to know Nina, the heroin addict, a little bit better. And she's closing her door, and she's getting ready, and she's like, I don't understand why you do drugs. She says, you're little, but you're cute. You're a little talented, but you're talented. You know? And it's so good because it's... it. And then you're seeing this woman who was born a man and who has become a woman have this strength in herself that a girl, the young mm-hmm. girl, doesn't can't have. doesn't yeah. have yeah. and has this beautiful mm-hmm. power in herself to love herself and... It's really beautiful. I just love that part to me is one of my favorites just because it's so well spoken mm-hmm. and it takes somebody really hating themselves mm-hmm. to come to that those kind of conclusions and that kind of self-love and it, it it's just it's beautiful. It's it's so beautiful. I love the scene where Agrado goes on stage oh, yeah. and she has to say there's no performance tonight because Nina relapsed on heroin or whatever and she does a one woman show about her whole life and about mm-hmm. everything on her that she's had to purchase that's fake like her breasts her implants you know her cheekbones her this and it's and it's really about like uh, performance yeah and whereas you know Huma, Rosa, and Nina get the luxury of getting to be actresses mm-hmm. and, and use Tennessee Williams' text this woman gets up, gets up there and uses her life as text, and holds the audience enraptured for yeah. you know, yeah. and and the cinema and the cinema audience, yeah. That sequence is probably a good fifteen minutes, yeah, ten minutes. And not only that, but she says in that, I mean, there's so many quotes, but yeah. one of the quotes she says, "Authenticity mm-hmm. is becoming the version of yourself you dreamed you would be." Mm-hmm. Even even if that's not real, yeah. the closest version of that is the theme, what authenticity that's the theme is. Of the movie, yeah. yeah. Whether that's becoming trans, whether that's Achieving your dreams. Yeah, it's beautiful. I I give it a mil como una flor. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's my favorite one to talk about because I do think for me, mm-hmm. um, I definitely feel like these are it was one mm-hmm. of those movies that if you're a filmmaker, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're a musician, you're in anything, mm-hmm. you paint or you design rooms, this movie will you'll leave and you'll think there has to, I have to do something yeah. creative yeah. because yeah. it's a million sources of creativity in one 
The fashion is also incredible. I also love that every woman is a version of a Latin woman that mm -hmm. people can't figure out what a Latin woman is. It's like watch one Amadovar movie and mm -hmm. you'll see 10 versions of them. Yeah. And there and also the the complications between mother-daughter relationships, mm -hmm. how it's okay to figure out who you are and leave whatever that is and it's always um, represented, and I think that that's what I hope for American film is that at one point it gets to a place where we don't have to have discussions. It's a great movie. We can watch it, and we can say this represents how many people, whether I'm a man and I'm watching this and I completely don't relate to the men in this film. It's like I know these women, and mm -hmm. that to me is relatable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm so glad you picked that. I'm so glad we got to discuss it together. Yeah, well, you know, it's like Almodovar is so important and there's so many films of his and this is, I think, the best and it doesn't get discussed as much as it should. Yeah. Because this filmmaker has such a huge body of work and there's so much else to discuss, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I see the resemblance between your work and his work in the sense of colors and vibrancy and women in general, like in Jawbreaker, for example, women being larger than life. and um... Yeah, I actually wrote a movie that was very much inspired by Almodovar that I never got the chance to make yet. Yeah. <laughs> ah, all right. Good. But it, it was called The Female Lead, and it's about a movie star who has a trans daughter who wants to be her. So it's about, you know, acting and about mother-daughter relationships and about performance and also about, like, how in Amer the American studio system you can't, there can only be one female lead. Yeah. That can disrupt a relationship. And I wrote it 15, 12, 13 years ago, a long time ago, and the trans movement has changed so much okay. you know, between now and then yeah. that it would require a major rewrite just to sort of, like, bring it up to, mm -hmm. up to date. But that was inspired by, by all about my mother a lot. And then Amodovar... After I had written that, came out with Bad, Bad Education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is like weird because it's so many themes that are in the female lead. And, you know, and then he came out later on with The Skin I Live In, which was also very similar. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. That was I, incredible. It's almost, yeah, Hitchcockian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was like a different transformation of him, mm -hmm. like getting like mysterious. Oh, and, that, yeah. was, that was but, dark. But then there would still be scenes in there that are hilarious mm -hmm. and just like out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just bizarre, but so much fun. Now, Simon's Recommends. Y ahora, Simon te lo recomienda. What is today's film? All right. I'm actually very excited about this. It's okay. a movie that I doubt uh, anyone has, has seen or heard of. Okay. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so, so fucking amazing. Um... It's this. Uh, it's a Japanese movie, but uh, it ties into El Cine in a second, I'll tell you. It's written and directed by Hitoshi Matsumoto, who um, is better known for this cult film called Big Man Japan. Oh, right. That he made. Uh, he also made this like really insane dark comedy about S&M in, in Japan called R100, which I also very much recommend. But Symbol is a movie that it was incredibly difficult for me to track down. Um, and here's some like stats on it. It was... Uh, it was made in 2009, um, and there's two major storylines that take place in, in Symbol. The movie opens um, with a family, and it's all uh, it's like a Mexican family in like a small border town, and it's all in Spanish, no subtitles. And it's about a little boy and his sister, and they live with uh, 
you know, their grandfather and their mom and their dad. And the dad is a wrestler, like a Mexican luchador called Escargot Man. What? <laughs> and Escargot Man is kind of like a joke. Like when the kid goes to school, um, the kids are always making fun of him. And they'd be like, he's drawing Escargot Man because it's his dad. And the kids are like, Escargot Man sucks. <laughs> Um, and so the kids, but the kid really loves his uh, his dad and the grandpa. The grandpa really loves his grandkids. Uh, and then you've got uh, the sister who shows up to pick up her dad to take him to practice. She's dressed as a nun. She's smoking cigarettes, driving a car car full of chickens, and she's swearing <laughs> up and down. It's an amazing opening sequence just to st- establish this family. And then as they drive off to take him to the what you'll later find out is the gym, so that he can rehearse for the big fight tonight. Um, it cuts to a white room, completely white, blank, no doors, no windows, nothing. And a Japanese man in these incredible polka dot pajamas wakes up, has no idea where he is or how he got there. He's screaming to be let out. Nothing happens. And then all around him, the walls will, they, they come out. They, they poke out as little, like, statues of cherubs, like little naked babies with angels. And they all laugh and giggle and smile at him. And then they sink back into the wall, everything except their little baby nethers. And their little baby nethers are just poked out like buttons. And every what? time he pushes one of them, something in the room happens. A toothbrush appears. A plate of sushi. A skateboard. And eventually he finds that there's a door that he can open and it's this maze, this like trial and error of this poor guy stuck in a room, not understanding what's happening, figuring out how to push these buttons and and make things happen in this room so that he can escape. We intermittently cut back and forth to the Mexican family and how this escargot man is training and getting ready and the guy he's fighting doesn't hold back. It's not fake. Like they, you see people getting wheeled out super injured after fights with this guy and he's getting really, really nervous, but his son and his dad are going to be there and he really wants to make a good impression for his son. And it's all leading to this like big fight and this crazy white room of magic and the way it combines at the end is outstanding and you don't you'll never you'll never imagine what it is like in a million years you can guess knowing that i'm saying guess the wildest stupid pitch you can give me you'll still never get how these things combine and what the movie's actually about and it's gorgeous and it's funny and it's amazing and i cannot recommend it enough that's amazing. it's called symbol um, and it's by <clears throat> hitoshi matsumoto it's a 2009 japanese film and i mean it's hard to find i'm i mean i had to track down a a japanese uh, dvd of it um and the you know if you speak spanish then it's great because all the stuff in spanish you'll understand but the truth is you don't really need subtitles in this movie. This yeah. movie kind of like carries itself along just visually just fine. Yeah. Um, that sounds wild. Yeah. I really, really recommend it. Very cool. Sold. <clears throat> We're so glad that you picked that because it sounds crazy. Yeah. And so you can have a wild night. Watch Symbol. 
and then chase it with a, a, a cool down with how I'm uh, all about my mother. Yes. Right. Um, not how I met your mother. You'll maybe want to do that in between. <laughs> you will right. maybe like a, right like before sleep. Like a sorbet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. little uh, Neil Patrick Harris palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. And then dive right into some Almodovar. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if that, it's a double feature I would suggest, but it, maybe it's a back-to-back, like Saturday, Sunday yeah. viewing. Sounds good. Thank you guys, everybody, Thank for you, being Mariana. here. Thank you, Mariana. Thank you, James. You can follow us at Somos El Cine uh, on Instagram. You, you can see our upcoming screenies <laughs> at SomosElCine.org. Darren, anywhere anybody can find you that you'd like to promote? Instagram is just at Darren Stein. <clears throat> um, and uh, I'm on Twitter, same thing. Yeah. yeah. And right. people can find uh, your movies on Netflix, on Amazon Prime. GBF yeah. is on ne- uh, Netflix. Put the camera on me. The documentary about my childhood is on Amazon Prime. Jawbreaker is currently only streaming on Sony Crackle. Uh, iTunes. I bought it on iTunes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. you can get it on iTunes. Yeah. And Sparkler is nowhere. Yeah. All About Evil, unfortunately, is not streaming yet. It um, will be soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, this was Thank fun. You. Thank, Thank you so much. You. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank Podcast Network.